Hello and welcome back to the Trojan Talk Podcast. I am Adam Maya, and as I record this, it is Thursday, May 16th, and I just got done interviewing USC defensive coordinator Clancy Pendergast, a wide-ranging interview that we'll get into in a minute. But uh, I know it's the off-season, and yet we're never off at Trojansports.com. So I want to let you guys know a little bit about what we've been doing. I recently wrapped up a post-spring practice series in which I graded every position group on the team and examined the outlook heading into the summer. It's about 5,000 words. I think you'll enjoy it. I also scoured the grad transfer market. I went into the portal, so to speak, and I made it out. But before I did, I made a list of five players that USC should recruit. There's still some serious positions of need on this roster where I think a grad transfer could potentially come in and make a big impact. They've already added offensive tackle Drew Richmond from Tennessee. I think that if they can add one or two more, uh, it would put them in a good position, at least for the beginning of the season. Uh, There's still a lot of questions, of course, going into this year. And finally, I want to say a few words about a relatively new series that we have called Recruiting Rumblings which is full of insights and inside info on USC's recruiting pursuits. My partner, Ryan Young, does an outstanding job with those. He's been traveling all over the country to deliver that content. He's actually in Houston right now as we speak. Uh, So be sure to check that out and satisfy your daily recruiting fix. And if you're not a member, you can sign up at any time for unlimited access to our wall-to-wall coverage of your Trojans. It's all there at trojansports.com. And now, without further ado, I bring to you Clancy Pendergast. Hi there, Coach. I'm here with Coach Clancy Pendergast, the defensive coordinator of USC. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I've uh, been looking forward to talking to you. I know, you know spring football, now you've been about a month away from it, and uh, I'm sure you're, you're staying busy you know, through the offseason. So I'm hoping to catch up with you. I realize that... You know, we don't get a lot of opportunities to talk to you about you. I think you have a very fascinating background and career in football that I was hoping to, to learn more about here. But have you done a podcast before? Um, I mean, I've done different media things over the course of my career. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure you've interviewed more than you'd like to remember. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm hoping that this will be an opportunity for us to kind of learn more about you. I wanted to begin by asking you about your beginning in coaching. I know that you were a student at the University of Arizona, right. and right. which is you know, uncommon in this era, you did not play college football, mm-hmm. and yet right after you graduated, you were able to break into coaching, mm-hmm. I believe, at Mississippi State. Right. How did that happen? Well, I started, um, you know, I played in high school, in grade school and high school, and I missed playing uh, while I was going to the University of Arizona. So I started coaching high school football my senior year. Uh, at Arizona? At, in Tucson, at Amphitheater okay. High School. And uh, so I coached there for a year, and then uh, and the year after I graduated, I moved up to the Phoenix area, and then I worked at Westwood High School uh, and coached there. And then, uh, obviously, as um, young coaches do, the one I aspire to continue to move up, uh, you know, I sent my um, resumes out everywhere to get an opportunity to be a graduate assistant. And, um, you know, Mississippi State was one of the schools where uh, there was an opening, um, and I visited with them, and they gave me that opportunity. 
So you merely sent out your resume to, I'm sure, a lot of places, and they responded. And did you copy them like that? Yeah, you? you know, waited on feedback. I had met, uh, you know, when Florida State had came in to the play in the Fiesta Bowl uh, in Phoenix, I had met some of their coaches at the, one of their practices and stayed in touch with them. And that was just one of my connections was a coach that I'd met at Florida State, and he had referenced me to uh, Mississippi State when they had an opening. You never really know how it's going to fall then. (laughs) So then a year later, in 1992, you're at USC. I don't know if a lot of people know that you were a GA here at USC. Yeah, yeah, I was like I was like a volunteer assistant uh, assistant here, uh, working with the defensive side of the ball, and uh, the graduate assistant program cut from five to two, and so there were some guys that were going into uh, uh, had been at some longer tenure at Mississippi State, so uh, the, the market kind of got saturated, got and so it. I was looking once again. Yeah. Um, so I was here. And then um, I went to uh, the University of Oklahoma for two years with Watson Brown, who was the offensive coordinator, who I worked for at at Mississippi State. Okay. He went to Oklahoma, and that's how I ended up at Oklahoma. Now, how did you end up at USC, though? Um, just Chris Allen. was it, it was the guy that was the defensive coordinator here, and um, I got to know him. And... Um, uh, during the process of when I was trying to get a graduate assistant job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was really my connection. And so you worked a year under Larry Smith, and then were you with John Robinson yeah, at tra- all? Yeah, transitioned with John Robinson okay. uh, until spring football started. Got and it. then I packed up my truck and went out to Oklahoma. Did, I mean, you you went to a lot of different places, but did the time at USC, did it stand out in any way? Was there was was something about it that you thought, if I could ever go back, I'd like to? No, I mean, it's a very special place and obviously, uh, you know, very rich tradition and, and uh, you know, it's a very, very, like I said, a very special spot. Yeah. You've worked for a lot of head coaches, very accomplished head coaches. Um Jeff Fisher and Denny Green, uh, Barry Switzer. I'm just curious because uh, those were some of the guys that you were with, you know, when you were a little bit younger. Is there a head coach or even maybe a coordinator, someone that particularly influenced what you do defensively? I think um, you know different things that you pick up from different coaches and things that jump out. You know, being around Jackie Sherrill, my first job was um, you know the way he he. Um, Approach the team and talk to the team. How how uh, uh, you know to speak to the team and make important points at, at certain times. I thought really jumped out at me with him. I would say moving on from there, you know, working with Watson Brown, he was very much a outside the box offensive thinker, and so I worked with him on the offensive side of the ball. So it really taught me working with him, you know, how offenses were run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then moving over to the defensive side of the ball, when I went to the Oilers, you know, working for Coach Fisher, you know, he was an outside the box thinker from a defensive standpoint, and it was my first real job uh, being a quality control assistant for him, and and really his ability to communicate and reach the players, I thought was was very uncanny. And then uh, moving on to Dallas, um, you know, Dave Campbell was a defensive coordinator there. Um, he obviously is a very, very good, sound teacher of fundamentals. He and Jim Bates both uh, were – Jim Bates was the linebacker coach I worked under. 
and then Mike Zimmer became the coordinator when Dave became the head coach, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just continued the tutelage with the defensive backs uh, because David tutored, tutored, or um, tutored Mike, and then uh, right. Mike tutored. We all moved up the ladder as, as sure. the seven years went on, um, and then um, you know Coach um, went with Coach Campbell to Cleveland, so we continued that relationship. Uh, for a year there, and then I got an opportunity to be the defense coordinator with the Cardinals, and working for Denny, um, he was all about, uh, you know, the game is about the players, utilize the players, put them in the best position that they can based on their skill set. So, I think with my ability to have learned um, all three phases of coaching in terms of uh, the the offensive outside the box thinking standpoint, the defensive outside the box thinking standpoint, and then just the pure basic fundamentals and techniques uh, was able to really, I feel like, round out my uh, position as being a coordinator. Um, Do you ever feel like it was happening fast? Because you were a very young defensive coordinator in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's just I was thankful for the opportunity and... and, um, you know, like I said, Coach Green was all about utilizing the players that we've had had mm-hmm. there. And uh, I was there five years, and during those five years, um, you know, nine out of those 11 starters on the 2008 Super Bowl uh, team had been with me for, for three to four, four years, three to five years. So uh, I was able to get my hands on those guys at a young age and develop them. You talk about... Uh, Adrian Wilson was in his second or third year. Darnell Dockett was a rookie. Carlos Dansby was a rookie. Gerald Hayes was a rookie. Um, Or in his second year, I believe. Antrell Roll, we drafted him, and he was a starting safety for us. Um, uh, You know, Antonio Smith was a a, a rookie that we developed there uh, while I was there. Gabe Watson at Noseguard, we drafted him out of Michigan. Uh, Bertrand Berry, we signed him as a free agent my first year there. Cheeky O'Keefer, we signed him as a free agent my second year there. So that was a very tight-knit group, and it was really uh, nice to see those guys develop and create that uh, unique camaraderie uh, that would allow us to pull together and make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Over the years, I've heard you make reference to that point uh, often about being uh, later in the system, you know, year two, year three. Given the turnover in college and also just the nature of, of talent kind of developing, right? I mean, if you're, if you're in the NFL, you've, you've developed quite a bit at that point. But not knowing who will develop out here at USC right away, how does that impact the way you have to do things with players when you don't maybe always have the luxury of like, well, we're going to develop them over these three years, and by this point, we know that he'll get here. Well, even in the pro level, they're always looking to replace anybody uh, in terms of the players. So you've got to be able to develop younger players, and and you know I firmly believe coaching's coaching and teaching teaching is teaching, and um, you know development of the players and utilizing their skill set is what our job is so that's the unique thing I think about this profession is having the opportunity to do that one criticism that you know I hear in the media is Clancy doesn't rotate enough are you aware of that and what do you think of that well I mean if you if you look at our time um, if you go back to 2013 we just didn't have the numbers sure and we led the conference in total defense yeah I think we played uh 
13 or 14 guys against Stanford when they were a top five team and beat them. Uh, came back in 2016, uh, the numbers really weren't all that much different. That maybe the team's numbers were different, but right. not the defense's numbers were different. You talk about the inside interior players. We had Stevie T, who we got is a grad transfer. Rasheen played inside, and really he's a defensive end is really what he has skill set wise. And you had Malik, and you had Fatu, and yeah. you really didn't have anybody else. We had Porter and Shen on the outside. There was nobody else. Yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, who? Where were those people? <laughs> Inside, you had Mike and you had Cam and Quentin, Quentin, uh, Quentin Powell, Quentin Powell, and then Jordan Osef was a true freshman. Right. You know, in the secondary, you had uh, uh, you know Matt Lopes, uh, uh, Chris Hawkins, Marvell Tell, and um, and Biggie and and, Adore. and, and yeah, and Biggie and Adoree and Janey was on offense right. when we first got here. Right. Um, and then you look at our third year. Uh, or our second year, excuse me, it really was the same guys. You, you lost Stevie T, yeah, and you now Fatu became a full time starter. But you were able to go out and sign, you know, Brandon Peely, J. Tufele, Marlin, you know, some guys that are now were able to play as freshmen, yeah, and rotate and develop. And you know, now you look at the numbers; it's what they really should be and it's taking time to be able to build that you know when you when you talk about uh uh you know inside particularly you know you got marlin uh knows you got brandon peely at nose who either one of those guys can can play yeah uh, in there and that three technique you got jay um you got uh, uh jake lichtenstein who's played a lot of football for us you know guys that have they've you know played a lot of football for us um and so I think now the numbers up front, especially, are you know more compatible to where they should be, and it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's other needs on the football team, and you know we're going to obviously sign the, the best players at those particular positions, and uh, we felt like we've been able to do that. And those guys have gained a lot of valuable experience as young guys. And you look outside, um, you know, Hunter Eccles uh, is, is really really come on. Yeah, in, in, my, in my opinion. Yeah. And, of course, you get Christian Rector back, who's played a lot the last two years um, for Porter's absence. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and Drake? Yeah, Drake's a real, real excited about him. I mean, he's he's uh, really gives you a lot of flexibility, and uh, he's, a, he's a really good athlete. You know, Connor Murphy's had a really good offseason. Uh, Nick Figueroa has come in here as a JC transfer. So, you know, we just talk about names and numbers, and those names and those numbers haven't necessarily been here, and it's taken time to develop that within the front. And then inside linebacker, I mean, you look at now you got you know John Houston, Jordan Alcefa, you got EA, uh, you got Kanai, uh, you got Rome, uh, uh, Raylan Goforth right. now. Uh, so those are just bodies that that haven't necessarily been available. So I had a question for you then uh, for college football in particular. You were kind of forced to choose between the two, and you could have a dominant secondary or a dominant front. What would you pick? I think it all starts up front at any level. I mean, you've got to be you got to be able to set the line of scrimmage. You got to be able to set edges in the running game, uh, and you got to be able to affect the quarterback. And uh, so, I think everything starts up front. If if you can't stop the run and you can't affect the quarterback with the front, then the DBs none of them can cover forever. 
so the, the, the disruption up front allows the secondary to be able to make plays on the ball. This spring, the numbers in the secondary were lower than I ever remember. I mean, lower than even when you were here in 2013 mm-hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons beyond your control. But does that concern you? Even though you're going to get a lot of people, an influx of guys in the summer, mm-hmm. some that have been in the program that are coming back, some that are going to be new, does that concern you just what you saw in the spring? Well, when you look at uh, Talanoa's played, you know, he'll be back. You know, you talk about the safety position, he's played meaningful snaps for us. Isaiah, I really feel good about where he's at with what he knows within the defense. Uh, you know, Jordan McMillan played some meaningful snaps for us, obviously in the Notre Dame game last year. Uh, you know, Britton Allen, we're really excited about that the other safety position, you know, is another safety prospect. You know, Chase Williams came in and played really well against Notre Dame. Uh, and he's playing, you know, more the nickel slash safety position. So I think you look at the core inside. Um, there's some guys that have played a little bit of football, but they really have a, a good skill set. And I like the way uh, they went through the spring. And then at corner, you know, you're looking at uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart, who was an incredible athlete that we wanted to play last year. Had he not got the high ankle sprain, he probably would have got an opportunity to play in the games. Um, you know. Uh, getting Greg Johnson back, uh, you know, he played meaningful snaps for us, and he got his feet wet and understands how to play the position a little bit better. I think uh, Dominique Davis, uh, you know, he's been over on the defensive side of the ball now for a couple of years. He has a pretty good feel. And then uh, uh, OG yeah. is a very talented guy. Uh, he's probably got the most talent of all of them. We just got to get him out there on the field, and, and sure. he, he hadn't been healthy, but. I know what he can do uh, from a skill set standpoint and what his knowledge is of the position. And um, I think his his uh, ability level has just barely been tapped. Well, speaking of potential, I look at your lineup, and while you have a lot of guys that will likely be first-year starters or kind of first-time playing full-time, even like Jake Cufelli, who played a lot last year but was not a full-time starter yet, but... Do you feel like the potential, and I don't know if you like that word, I know some coaches don't, but do you feel like the potential with this group is maybe higher than it's been in the time that you come back? Yeah, I think when you just look at the overall numbers by position, and if you just athletically would rank them, skill set-wise, there's more available bodies. Um, and it's a, it's a group that really does work at it, and they all really like football. And, you know, I think if you can combine those things, then you've got a chance to, to develop a good group. Um, but obviously, we got a lot of work to do, um, and I'm excited to get back out there and, and start fall camp. Uh, I heard a story about Drake Jackson during spring that uh, I believe early on you had walked over to his father on the sideline during a practice and, and made a comment, something to the effect of, this kid's only going to be here for three years. Uh, I don't have a, I don't remember saying that, but, uh, you know, he's a very talented player, and, and uh, you know, I, I really like his skill set, and when you watch his change of direction for his size, where he's at mentally and physically for his age, you know, getting him here at mid-year, um, you know, is, is really good for 
both him and us and our team. Well, in light of what we were talking about earlier about your defensive front, are players on the edge like that, are they as valuable as anybody in your defense? Because I look at like what you were able to accomplish when Porter was healthy, and it felt like it was night and day. You know, I mean, I look back at the early 2017 season and the way you guys were playing versus Stanford versus Texas, and then he went down, and then you know even last year before he went down, and uh, in, in the Texas game, you know, as an example too, where it really changed in the second half when he went out. So I just wonder, and when you had you a guy like that, are those edge players? You know, are they kind of the, can they be the MVPs of your defense? Yeah, I mean, if you look at just over the years, those are the guys that have an opportunity to to make plays. You know, you go back to my time in the NFL as a coordinator. You know, you mentioned Bertrand Berry was an all-pro. He was an outside rusher, defensive end type. Chike uh, O'Keefer was a very talented outside uh, player. Had Tom Bahali in Kansas City for a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then I move up to the University of Cal. You know, I had Cameron Jordan. Cam Jordan. Uh, who reminds me a lot of Drake, and then you look at 2000, you know, and, and uh, uh, Chris McCain, who played, you know, I think he's still maybe with the Chargers as another outside rusher. Michael Kendricks, yeah, you know, played outside for me for a year, and then moved inside. Uh, so you know, getting people's skill set fit where they should be, and then you come here, you know, Devon Kennard still playing in the league. Um, um, we moved J.R. Tavai to the defensive end position, outside backer, during just because we didn't have anybody else once we lost Morgan Breslin. Uh, and then you look at 2016, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Chenna and Porter. Yeah. Uh, 2017, you know, Chenna, Chenna. Chenna made a lot of plays for us in two years. There's a reason he got drafted where he did and why he's playing for the Chargers. Uh, he's a very versatile player. There's a tough matchup people have to know where he's at so I think when you look at two years ago when we led the country in sacks you know he was a big part of that whether he was sacking or creating more one-on-ones right so when you could have him and Porter out there together it was really really good so you didn't have to pressure quite as much and then some of those numbers fell off we didn't quite get the production um, that we needed outside but I think now that uh, you know Drake's training uh, you look at um, Hunter Eccles is now trained. Uh, Malik McLean, Elijah Winston, those guys have been in here training now for a year or two. Um, so I really expect those guys to make a big jump. You know, I didn't even mention Malik and Elijah that had good springs as well. Yeah, I know you've, you've said very special things about a lot of players in your time at USC. I'm curious to know who's been maybe one of your favorites or if there's a couple guys that just, you know, Stand out to you in that way? Yeah, I would say Josh Shaw uh, was a very favorite. Uh, Devon Kennard, uh, Hayes Pillard. Uh, I like Demetrius Wright a lot. Kevon Seymour. Uh, that 2013 crew, Mike Hutchins, who's working for me now, Chris Hawkins. Yeah. Um, two, you know, Mike was really instrumental in the success we had in 2016 just because he was kind of a step ahead of the game because he'd been with me when he was a freshman. Sue Cravens uh, was another guy. Uh, you know, Chenna, Porter, Rasheem, Stevie T, um, you know, Dory. And then you look at this year, you know, Ajane, where he came from, uh, to be a, you know, scout team quarterback week four or five and then starting at Nickelback, you know, finishing this, played two and a half years at that position. Yeah. Uh, Iman played a lot of meaningful plays for us. Uh, 
Marvell, spent a lot of time with him, Camp Smith. So I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of special people here. You mentioned Michael Hutchins, and that one sticks out to me because we know that while he might not be the greatest athlete, uh, he knew what you wanted. and He knew your scheme in and out, through and through. Is it hard to reconcile when you're dealing with maybe a younger player who maybe has so much talent or so much athleticism? I think of EA last year, right? It's very apparent like what he could do, but maybe just doesn't know what to do yet, right? Or doesn't know what you want him to do. Uh, how, do you, how do you manage that? Well, one thing, um, you know, Mike really worked at it, and he spent a lot of time with it. Uh, so first of all, you've got to do that. And then second of all, um, the more you're around the players, <clears throat> you find out what their strengths and their weaknesses are and how they best fit. And sometimes you just got to put them out there and, and you know, let them play. And I think that's been the fun thing about EA, for example, to see him really develop over the course of the season last year and through spring football. And, I mean, it's all pretty evident to everybody what his ability is uh, as you mentioned but you know really finding ways to simplify it to where he doesn't have to you know where certain players uh, don't have to maybe think as much and, and can really just go out there and play quicker yeah I mean I feel like you did that initially you know Cam went down and you, you threw EA out there and then then you held him back and I think there was about three games there where he didn't really play a lot it's almost like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I mean, looking back, we played him, um, you know, when Cam when Cam was ready, Cam was going to play. And when Cam wasn't ready, uh, EA played. He, he started, uh, you know, he played against Colorado, started against Colorado, yeah. and he got hurt. And so then he doesn't practice. Uh, and I believe he missed the Arizona game, maybe was it after Colorado? Somewhere in there. And then uh, he doesn't practice the whole week of Utah because yeah. he was coming out of concussion and practiced a little bit on Thursday and then had to, you know, went in and started and played a lot yeah. on Saturday. That's just hard for a, for a true freshman. And uh, then played him against Arizona State um, because Cam was out. And then, um, you know, brought him back late in the year against um, – he played really well against Notre Dame the last last game of the year in place of John. So, yeah. Um, it was just trying to get the best 11 guys out there, and, you know, for every every opportunity. Is he a guy that, I mean, you played him on the edge, actually, I think, watching skate. Yeah. But is he a guy that, you know, not to tip your hand, but you feel like you could move him around? You know, he, he, he isn't just a dime backer for you? Yeah, we feel like we can in, in certain situations. And, uh, you know, he's... Um, He's, he's made a lot of improvement, and we're really excited about him, and I think that'll just be kind of a feel of things we get going. Gotcha. This season. Uh, Clay Hilton has made a point this spring to say that, and it's really quoting him, that he implored you to simplify that scheme. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he's coming to the effect of, like, I, I think it's brilliant, but it's maybe too complicated for, for these guys right now. What were, what were the conversations that you guys had, and what did you actually have to do? Well, I think at the end of every year, you go back and look and see, first of all, um, who you have coming back, how those players played last year, and where's your, where's your talent, where's your scheme going to fit to use your players? 
and um, it all kind of started there and really went back to looking and studying the last three years and um, and seeing what fit who we have right now uh, you know because if you look back um, you know there were guys within this system that played a lot for me uh, the last three years that won't be here you know Cam three year starter um Biggie or Jane? Yeah, Porter was going to play a lot. Yeah, Jane played a lot. And Iman played. Uh, uh, Langley was in the system. Marvell. Uh, Marvell was here. This is third year. Right. So a lot of those guys have played a lot of football. So when you do certain things, you're always looking to utilize the players you got. I guess, was there any major takeaway that you had when you kind of reassessed what happened last year that you felt like, I need to do this better? Is there, is there a particular thing that you felt like I need to do that better? You talk about the defense, or yeah, with the defense that you felt like. No, I mean obviously, uh, you know, it all starts with stopping the run, and yeah. uh, you know, we obviously need to do a better job with that, and uh, you know, try to eliminate the big plays in the passing game and play better situational football, uh, make our you know more aware of the down and distances and more aware of the just overall situations at all three levels of our defense. How much did wanting to stop the run play into you? It seemed like in spring you were utilizing a bigger defensive front, mm-hmm. more down linemen. Yeah, I think when you just look at that, it's just in terms of what our matchups are, who we're going to play, and and how we can get our best guys on the field. Yeah, and you have a better defensive line now. now yeah, they've got more bodies now that, yeah. can, that, that are versatile and can play in different spots. You've been very successful throughout your career. So I wondered, was last year, was that like the toughest year professionally for you or one of them? I mean, every year, win or lose, it has its own challenges within the game. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously uh, we're very disappointed to, to only win five games. And uh, I think everybody has a bad taste in their mouth. And is looking forward to rect- you know getting back out there and rectifying that. So obviously, you know the, our standards are high, um, the program standards are high, and we're looking forward to getting back out there and, and uh, competing. When that season ended, were you concerned about coming back? Yeah, it never really crossed my mind. I mean, I've been fired after the Super Bowl, so which is weird, but you have, yeah. yeah. But uh, so I've I've seen a lot of things happen, and uh, it didn't cross your mind. Uh, no, no. Really. I look back at like 2014, and you had a really good year in 2013, and there's a coaching change, and because of that, that that put you out of USC. Um, so were you, I guess, prepared if you had to to take a year off, or what? What do you think? When? Well, I mean, if if, if something happened this year, like what would you what would you have done? I didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Okay. I wondered about that year and how that happened, and because of your success in 2013. Yeah, the, uh, you asking about that or this past season? Well, I was just kind of juxtaposing it because there was a coaching change and there wasn't one here, but um, you had been very successful, and then it, it was one year where you didn't coach in 2014 right. for the last about 30 years. Right. And so I just wondered if if you were thinking along the lines of like, well, I'll. Maybe I'll take a year off, or if you were just going to try to coach elsewhere. No, at, uh, that year, um, back in 2014, uh, both my parents were alive and they were elder at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I had opportunities to coach. Okay. And uh, I, they're both deceased now. 
Um, so I wanted to take that year kind of as halftime, so to speak. Yeah. And spend as much time with them as possible as I could. And, um, you know, had opportunities at that time to do other things and opted, uh, you know, just worked out the way they did. And, um, you know, just thankful we'll to have the opportunity to, to uh, come back here again. Finally, uh, your career has been kind of down the middle with college football and the NFL. And now you're back here at UNC. I wondered, do you regard yourself as an NFL guy, a college guy? Uh, you know, and I get get asked that a lot. And I think, uh, you know, because uh, when I've been in pro ball, I've had an opportunity to coach a lot of younger players. Uh, my first year as a secondary coach in Dallas, we had uh, two second-year starters at corner. Uh, we had a, a very young secondary, and I think we we're second or third in the NFL in pass defense and top five in overall defense. So at a very young age, I was able to work with some young players and develop them. So I think coaching's coaching and teaching is teaching. And even at the pro level, um, you know, you've got to be able to t teach guys your system, no matter whether they've been in the league one year or 10 years, and to be able to get that whole group working together. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I, like I said, I think coaching's coaching is teaching's teaching, and yeah. and um, you know there's challenges to every every job. Who well, is that invigorating then? Coming off this season where it didn't work out, and you know neither side of the ball played maybe up to the level that it wanted to at USC, but now you have a younger group like we talked about with a lot of potential. Are you like I said invigorated by the idea of like I think this defense could be great, and I want to make it great. Well, every year I go through the process of studying who we're going to have and yeah. try to put them in the best positions. And uh, this offseason has been no different. And so we always want to have the best defense we can possibly have. Yeah. I, I, do you think it could be, despite the, the loss of many seniors, it could be an upgrade? You know, that's yet to be determined. I mean, uh, the guys have put in a lot of work uh, in the spring. I think they've been very diligent. There's a group that likes to play together. And uh, I like the progress they've made, but it's too early to tell. And we got a lot of work to do between now and the first game. All right, Coach. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about that in a training camp. Yeah. So I really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That was USC Defensive Coordinator Clancy Pendergast, and you are listening to the Trojan Talk Podcast. Until next time.